0: It's What's the Point from 538? My name is Jody Abergan. Our week of mini conversations, one a day about the 538 Guns Project continues. Who dies from guns in this country and how do we lower that number? Each Each contributor I'll speak with focused on one category of people who die from guns. Let's get right into it. Here is economics writer Ben Castleman talking about his reporting
1: one of the the biggest categories was these young men in general this is when you look at that slice of death that's homicide young men are sort of the dominant category that die in uh f- die from guns and gun homicides and we look specifically at the city of New Orleans, which is a, is a place that's had a reputation for a long time as being a pretty dangerous city, the murder capital for quite a long time. Um, and the, the mayor there, Mitch Landrew, has really made reducing homicide um, – not just gun homicide, but it's predominantly gun homicide – uh, a major focus of of his administration, and they've really launched a sort of big, wide-ranging initiative they call NOLA for Life, which is trying to bring down the number of, of people killed in New Orleans. And again, the group there is almost entirely young men. In the case of New Orleans, it's almost entirely young black men. Young black men nationally are killed at a much higher rate than any other group, but in New Orleans, the numbers are really pretty remarkable. And so that he's sort of looking at this and saying, you know, how do we go about bringing down the the number of of people who are dying in our streets? And one of the things that I gathered from your
0: piece sort of interesting is that this is where this is our guns project. But this is about much more than guns. I mean, New Orleans is really trying to take a much bigger look at how to stop
1: gun violence, but it's not like a targeted gun program. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, the word guns comes out up a lot less in New Orleans um, than you might think. Now, again, I mean, some more than 90% of homicides in New Orleans are committed with guns. And so, you know, police do talk about how do we get guns off the streets. They do talk about the dangers of guns. But is in this context of Louisiana, which has some of the loosest gun laws in the country, it has a very um, strong pro-gun culture, and so the mayor has introduced sort of a few basic initiatives recently to try to get guns off the streets. But the reality is, is that sort of gun control, if it's not realistic nationally, it is really not realistic. So it's a political
0: calculus that basically we're not going to win a gun control fight, so we have to find the so
1: other I, root causes of gun violence. So to address? I think I think the the political uh, piece of it is definitely part of what we're talking about here. But it's also a recognition that on some level, this is a violence problem, not just a gun problem. And so you know, they, they talk a lot in New Orleans, and this is language that's increasingly being heard in other places, about violence as a public health problem mm-hmm. and the spread of violence, right? And so you know, one approach to dealing with a public health problem with a disease that is spreading is to make it less deadly, and so that, you know, having fewer guns if more of those are fist fights or knife fights, they'll be less deadly. So that's certainly one piece of it. But another piece of that is how do you stop the spread of the disease in the first place? And there's been a lot of research recently that's been going on sort of looking at how violence spreads in communities.
0: So what is this NOLA for Life program? How
1: what is that research? How is that research driving it? So, I mean, some of the, the most interesting research in this comes uh, from a guy named Andrew Paparchristos, who's a uh, how many times do we had to practice that name. <laughs> um, who's a is uh, a criminologist at uh, at Yale, uh, who sort of started doing this work in Chicago, actually. And you know, we've known for a long time that violence is concentrated. Um, but his research really shows how incredibly concentrated it is. You know, we start we often think about dangerous neighborhoods, dangerous parts of town. The reality is, is we're talking about very small networks of people who are connected to this violence. And what's interesting in that word connected is we're talking about both as victims of violence, but also as perpetrators of violence. And one of the realities here is that the people most likely to uh, be victims of gun violence, are also the people most likely to commit gun violence. And what he's done is is built these network models where he actually looks at victims of violence and he says, who were they arrested with? Who were they associating with? And then who were those people associating with? And builds out sort of a network and finds that an incredibly large percentage of, of gun violence is between and among people within those networks. And so rather than thinking about this, oh, it's a dangerous neighborhood or it's a dangerous city, we're talking about very high-risk networks, very high-risk groups of individuals. And outside of that, it's really actually not particularly high. You know, It's not just you know, young men of color, right? It's a very particular group of young men of color, not necessarily of color, who are um, who are at at the greatest risk of of violence?
0: And you said ice. Uh, you said um, concentrated, but also isolated too, right? I mean, there's geographic isolation. You mentioned Chicago, which I think is the greatest example of this. About violent communities are just cut off, like geographically, physically, from
1: wealthier and uh, and less violent communities. So that can be true. It's not at all true in New mm-hmm. Orleans. It's not. um New Orleans is an interesting city in a number of ways. One is that you have um, pockets of poverty and poverty po- pockets of wealth really up against each other, mm-hmm. right I mean literally sort of one block apart you don 't have you know the equivalent of a south side of Chicago right you have i mean you hear about the lower ninth ward, but if you if you walk around New Orleans, you can be in the middle of the garden district and you can walk two two blocks over and you can be in the middle of, of really you know fairly extreme poverty. The other thing is that Katrina really um, blew up the the geography of New Orleans in a pretty major way. And so you have a lot of people who are living in different neighborhoods than they used to be. Um, New Orleans is unusual in that um, people who are arrested for crimes are not necessarily living in the neighborhoods where they're committing those crimes. But those concentrated networks still remain. The networks absolutely remain. It's not necessarily geographic, right? These are, these are individuals who are associating with other individuals, and, and that's where the, the violence is And so how is the NOPD targeting these networks? Well, so it's interesting you mentioned NOPD. So that, that, is, that is a piece of this. Right. Um, And the part that we probably understand best is sort of how to apply this theory to policing. And so, what we've seen in New Orleans is applying something that's been tried in Boston and a number of other cities. Um, This project called Ceasefire in which they actually call in people who are considered to be at the highest risk and they kind of read them the riot act. They say, we will help you if you want to sort of leave behind this life Then we will help you get jobs. We'll help you get schooling. But if you don't, we're really going to come down on you. Um, This is an idea that was developed by uh, by David Kennedy in Boston Um, that is followed by indictments, mass indictments, sort of anti-gang activities. You also hear about ideas like hotspot policing where you find you know, the very particular blocks that are the, are the highest risk. This is something that we sort of have a pretty decent understanding of. It can make a really pretty substantial difference and it has made a difference in New Orleans. We saw a pretty substantial decline in murders from when they started doing this in 2012 down to 2014. Uh, we've seen even bigger declines in some other cities in, in Boston and New York and some other places that have tried these strategies. The problem is, is that they do sort of hit a level of diminishing returns. Um, We don't fully understand why those diminishing returns hit um, quicker in some places than in others, and and there's certainly arguments that New Orleans could do more on those strategies. But there's a certain point at which you sort of have have gotten the low-hanging fruit on that. And so what then New Orleans is thinking a lot about, and a lot of places are starting to think about, is how do you get at some of these other root causes, right? How do you have people who how do you prevent people who are in these at high risk from crossing into violence in the first place or how do you help people who want out of that life to get out of it and and that's a trickier thing to do i think than than the policing approach well it's
0: just more intertwined and holistic i mean, I mean it touches on every aspect of someone's of a young man's life right is there are you hopeful about the level of coordination, I guess, that, the, that that approach would require?
1: So I think part of what makes this so difficult is you, know, you hear New Orleans that Mayor Landrew speaks you know, very passionately about poverty, about inequality, uh, about uh, racism, and about those being sort of important root causes of the violence that we see. And, and that's almost certainly true on some level. The problem is – and this is something that that, um, Papa Christos spoke a lot about um, as looked a lot at in his research. Poverty, inequality, racism are problems that affect a a huge swath of society and yet only a very small percentage of people end up becoming violent or becoming victims of violence. And so if you have a program that targets at-risk youth you know poor black mm-hmm. men in the city of new orleans if we're thinking about this from a public health standpoint you're going to be treating a lot of people who were never going to get sick in the first place now there's a very good argument for why you may want to do that right we we as you know people caring individuals who believe in in you know government helping people certainly you know you want to see good educational systems and you want to see jobs for young people and all of that but if your goal is to reduce violence, what you're doing is you're devoting a lot of resources to people who were probably never going to become violent in the first place. And so the trick is how do you hone in on the very specific group of people that are most in need of this, of this kind of assistance, who are, of course, also the people who are probably the hardest to to reach and to help. So one one
0: thing that I'm thinking of as you, as you use this kind of language about concentration and about these small networks i mean it does brush up against i think some really tricky language that you hear with regards to gun violence which is that it's to adopt the, the you know the most odious language out there but it's like a couple of thugs in the inner city are responsible for almost all of the problem so i know that that's not your language i know that's not where the research ends up but but but
1: how do you grapple with that kind of implication? I mean, so I think there are a few answers to that question, right One is of course that this violence does cross over into other communities, right? We do end up seeing um you know accidental shootings, you know innocent victims who have never you know committed any crime who are are you know caught in crossfire. We see you know terrible examples of that, but frankly, I think the larger answer is that there are ten thousand people eleven thousand people a year being killed in gun homicides and that's too many, and if we want to reduce that number, you have to focus in on the people who are primarily dying, and the, re- the reality is, is that that is primarily young men. is primarily men of color. It's in many cases people with felony convictions, um, but having a felony conviction is not a death sentence, mm-hmm. uh, and so if we want to figure out how to reduce the number of people dying in gun homicides... On a human level, we have to we have to care about people who do not make headlines, and it's very striking in New Orleans. You know, um, Will Smith, who was a former player for the Saints, was shot and killed in an accident. It was national headlines. When I was in New Orleans, a, a young man from Tulane who was uh, back in town to scout out locations for his wedding was shot and killed, and that made you know major local headlines. But the evening that I left, there were there were two people killed in in incidents of gun violence. And they barely got a paragraph in the newspaper because they were young men, young black men, you know, from poor neighborhoods. And the only way that we're going to reduce the number of people killed is to focus in on those people. All right. Ben Castleman,
0: thanks for joining us and thanks for contributing to this project. And, of course, people can go and read your piece about New Orleans and the other pieces you've written as well. But thanks again.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: You can read Ben Castleman's piece and see the whole project at 538.com slash gun deaths. Thanks to Chadwick Matlin, Lucina Malesio, Tony Chow, and Simone Landon for helping with this series. We'll be back tomorrow for the next conversation. See you soon.